at least in my lifetime, I've seen two devastating floods, one in 2005 and one in 2021. And I've seen it and the impacts. And I'm saying that, you know, these reports are true. Climate change is real. And because I'm, I'm see, witnessing it firsthand and then I'm witnessing at the same time how it's impacting lives at the grassroots level, lives of people who are struggling to reach the next day or trying to get by in their daily life. Welcome everyone to another podcast episode of Climate Tracker. I am your host for today. My name is Johannes Damodar-Patak and I am the Caribbean Program Officer. So this week we are talking to journalists from Guyana. His name is David Papana. Welcome, David. Hey, thank you for having me. You're welcome. And today he is he is uh, he just finished up our first cycle of our climate justice fellowship that we had in the Caribbean. So today we're going to talk about David. David is the star of the show for today. So David, I'm just going to ask you some brief questions and and the 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 aim of this is so that people get to know you better and also get to know you as a journalist and the experience you have in the work that you do. So if, if you put if you have to describe yourself in three sentences, what would it be? Um three sentences. I uh that's tough. Like it's obviously <laughs> difficult to describe your own self. But um I would say I'm a hard worker. I'm very ambitious in going after the goals I want to achieve. I love to travel and I really enjoy um working as a journalist because uh, not every day is the same. It's something totally different. You could be following one story in one day, yeah, but in my perspective, is every day it's a different angle. So, yeah. That's true. So, David yeah. just described himself in a little more than three sentences. <laughs> that's, 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 uh, that's okay. That's very much okay. So, tell us something that only your friends know about you. Mm. Um, let me see. Let me see. This is tough. Oh, I think they know, they know I love fancy stuff, like the luxury of it all. Okay. I think, yeah, because like if we have to choose a spot to eat or do something uh, and I make a re- recommendation, they'll be like, oh, you always fancy. <laughs> so maybe that's, that, that's one of the fun parts. Okay, so you're you're the fancy type of guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That doesn't mean I can't. I can't get down to the grassroots level or anything though i can't do that but if it's an option to choose i'll choose the fancy stuff <laughs> yeah I, I i totally understand you i would <laughs> have seen my guess <laughs> yeah. so as a child david let's go let's go a bit to your childhood you know when we are when we are growing up we're always saying we want to be a doctor we want to be a lawyer what what was it for you what did you want to become so my career path um I think journalism chose me. Um, let me see. I had the options of being a doctor, lawyer, the, t- the typical traditional ones. What I know is I didn't want it to do something routine that was 95. Mm-hmm. I, I, that was not my path. So um, I 
try to step out from that. I considered um, becoming a television host at one point in life. Um, but after completing my studies and entering the working world, um, it was either journalism or becoming a chef. Because where I worked first in Barbies, Guyana, um, the the owner of the new station, she also owned the hotel. So um, I could have started my career as a chef there, or I could have started in journalism. I chose journalism, or maybe journalism chose me. So because since then, I've been down the journalism path. But on a fun fact, when I was born, um, my father was a newspaper vendor, oh. and I was actually wrapped in a piece of newspaper um, <laughs> <laughs> right after being born because <laughs> I, I was delivered, I was delivered at home. So um, I tell myself that journalism chose me. Yeah, and growing up, um, I've always been interested in the news, the current affairs. Um, my family used to watch me waking up at mornings to watch the rebroadcast of the news at 6 a.m. Or I always find myself reading a newspaper because my father used to buy a newspaper even after he stopped vending. So I was just brought into the whole news news arena. <laughs> but it started right off from since you since you were born. Right yeah. away paper. That, that's a that's a funny story. <laughs> it is, it is. So I always say journalism chose me. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So when we're go when we're growing up, you know, as child, we always think friend that we always watch these Marvel um movies, these these these, these cartoons and all these worlds that are in these cartoons and we're like, I wish I was born, you know, on such a in such a world. What what mm -hmm. was that? Did you ever had had something and said, No, I want to live on this planet or in a world that was shaped like this um not really I, I guess a lot of backlash for this but uh, i wasn't a big marvel fan or a dc fan no i i watched them yes but i wasn't big into them um yeah so thing one cartoon i probably wanted to live in was um bearing the big blue house that was from disney Mm -hmm. Yeah, I probably wanted to be in that. Um, those because it, it always piqued my curiosity as to how they have different scenarios, different situations, and Bear would just advise or he would just show them, oh, this is how you can navigate a problem or what. So I, I, I was drawn to that. I'm thinking, oh, that was fun. That's cool. Yeah, but um, coming back to if I wanted to do in a Marvel world or so. I would probably choose um, Spider-Man, if I'm correct. If Spider-Man is not DC, <laughs> forgive me. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm not too thing. Yeah, but okay. yeah, coming back to that. Yes. Okay, that's great. So you told me you were born as soon as you were born, you were wrapped in a newspaper. So that's that's where the journey as a as becoming a journalist like started, right? Yeah, I would say so. That, that was my indoctrination. <laughs> yes. So yes. from so from that point on, what happened after that? And you grew up and you said, "Okay, this is going to be my job, my full time job." 
Okay, so from that point on, um, like I said, um, I would have been keeping abreast with the news. I would have been reading the news, watching the news, listening to the news on radio. So um, coming up through the lines, when I had the option to choose between becoming a chef or becoming a journalist, I just say, you know what, let me give journalism a try. And I kind of enjoyed it. I did enjoy it at that starting point, but that was in broadcast. I started off in broadcast. Um, but I transitioned to print media in 2012, and there I was a correspondent for the Starbucks News, where I work now in Borbis, but I'm full-time with them now. So um, I enjoyed writing more than broadcasting. So that I think I found my comfort zone in that. So here I am, yeah. Oh, that's a great, that's a pretty, pretty a fun journey. It started out, it started funny, and then it became just your professional Yeah, career. yeah. It's awesome. And then, okay, so coming back to the journey, could you tell us something about the journalism landscape in your country? How is that? Our journalism landscape is, hmm, how should I put it? Or something unique about it. Hmm. Right. What I can say is we have independent newspapers and independent media, but we also have state and pro-government media entities. Something that is unique that no matter which media you're working in, there is a camaraderie. At the end of the day, the stories might be different, but um, there, there is that camaraderie. Everybody greets each other at assignment, say hello, hi. I, I guess it's a similar thing across the Caribbean and the world, but I would say that there's that warmth in the media. That it's easy to be a journalist in Guyana? I would say so, yes. It is pretty easy. You would face backlash, yes, once you are a good journalist. There's no doubt about that. You would face criticism. Some people would not like your work, but um, all in all, it is very easy. Yeah. So you're, you are one of the journalists in Guyana who is like reporting continuously about climate change, um, something we don't see very often in the Caribbean, you know? due to various reasons that, you know, uh, journalists don't have the full attention for climate change. Mm-hmm. You, have, you are one of our fellows um, for quite a while now. We just finished up yeah. our single one for uh, of the Climate Justice Fellowship. So what made you cover climate change? Entering the job, I started off as a crime reporter. That was my beat. And then I transitioned slowly into um, agriculture and natural disasters. And covering natural disasters, in Georgetown, it floods every couple minutes or so, rain falls. Flooding is a big issue. Um, we face, at least in my lifetime, I've seen two devastating floods, one in 2005 and one in 2021. And I've seen it and the impacts. And I'm saying that, you know, these reports are true. Climate change is real. And I'm, because I'm see, witnessing it firsthand, and then I'm witnessing at the same time how it's impacting lives at the grassroots level, lives of people who are struggling to reach the next day or if trying to get by in their daily life. Because so when, when a flood happens, it takes away that entire family earning for a period, de- depending on the extent of the flood. But most times that happens. So, um, I was keen towards that and I just decided to, you know, I'm going to keep covering this. And another thing was in the indigenous communities, when they are faced by droughts, 
you're seeing the impacts there as well. So these things were showing me that, you know, we are not covering climate so often, we're not highlighting it so much. Yes, we will cover from time to time, this is happening, that is happening, but it wasn't a lot. So I just thought that maybe I should fill this gap. Okay, so looking at you told me about the two big floodings you experienced. Um, right now, is there some, what's happening in your area when it comes to climate change? Are there some songs? Okay, some... so what's happening right now is sargassum is an issue for us in Guyana. Now, well, it has a ripple effect. It's mostly affecting the fishermen and the fishing industry. So th that is the new phenomenon that we're dealing with. In the past few years, we never had the issue, or if it was happening, it was very minimal. But, and we don't have a tourism sector that depends on it, but um, fish is a staple for Guyanese. And if it's gonna impact fishermen and their livelihoods, it's gonna impact vendors who are retailing the fish from the fishermen. So, and that would take a toll on food security or for families here. So okay. there's that whole ripple effect happening, even though it's it's not a big deal in the tourism sector. It's in Guyana. It's a big deal for the fishing community. That was also the last uh, your individual story. The last one yes. was about Yes, yes, that's correct. Yeah. So you. Got I, I was quite startled when I did that one because. It was my uncle who actually said, wow. you know, fishermen are experiencing a difficulty with the seaweed. And the funny thing is a lot of them weren't too clear on why this was coming and why it was happening. Because they these are lifelong fishermen, or they would have come from generations of fishing. And to see it so much now on the sea, out at sea, um, it's surprising for them. And they it's a new threat they have to battle yes yeah. it's a very interesting um story that's that that's uh that you wrote and if you guys want to read more about it you guys just tune in on our website climate tracker website and you will see the story of david published on our website so david coming back to you as a person do you do you remember the first day you went to work as a reporter I remember the first day I went to work as it? a print reporter. Um, I think the first day I went, I can't count too much of the broadcast reporting one, but I remember the first day of print. Um, that was, I was covering a fatal accident. I had to cover a fatal accident. Mm -hmm. And it was actually my first time stepping out using public transportation to get to the family of the victim. And it was like a 45 minutes away from my home uh, area that I didn't know anything about. And it was quite interesting because um, one, I had to find the family. I had no clue where they were. Two, I had to go to the accident site. Three, I had to, I don't know, try to get somebody to talk to me that this is what happened. When you're a new reporter on the first day, um, you don't have people don't take you on so seriously like an established person. So it's like I was just praying all the way along that you know, um, 
I hope these people would speak with me. I, I just kept praying that they would speak with me and do one thing. But yeah, th that was my first um, experience. And after that, it just went off. And after that, I I had some help with some veterans in the local media scene in Barbies. They were very kind enough to show me the ropes, fight out ethical by um, stands, especially I covered court. So um, in court reporting, um, they pointed out some ethical stands because as Guyanese journalists, when you start out, you dabble in everything um, as you, they see fit, you, you cover whatever it is, yeah. So um, yeah, it just took off after that, I guess, yeah. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah. So, what what are you writing currently on? Currently, I'm writing on food security in Guyana and agriculture. Well, and the Caribbean, I should say, because um, our region would have committed to reaching a goal of reducing twenty five percent of imports by twenty twenty five. That's a big goal. Um, my country's minister. So for he's leading that charge. And the president is also leading that charge from the CARICOM region. So it's quite impressive, interesting, I should say, to see what is happening and how much they're trying to um, achieve. If you, so you're talking what you're writing about now, what you're writing currently on, um, what are the headlines these days in your country? Oh, the big news right now in our country is we recently have a this um Sunday night we had a devastating fire where yeah, I read um, about yeah nineteen children were killed in that fire. Yeah. Um and at least twenty nine were injured. So that that was pretty interesting. The country is in a state of mourning at this point. Um apart from that, quite interesting too is this liability coverage insurance coverage between ExxonMobil and the government to secure over oil spills. So there's a court case coming up on Monday, which would be the 29th, I think, 29th of May. Yeah, so um, that is coming up in the Court of Appeal on Monday. So that, that, that is getting some traction as well. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, the first one is yeah. a very news that it was situation yeah it is, it is. very sad situation and then the second that's a very interesting one because everyone wants to yeah. know what's going to happen next because i even read that exxon mobile said it might jeopardize their um their production their yeah yeah that is true yeah so yeah. that's that's an interesting uh yeah but topic. civil society is very invested in that one because our the initial ruling is that Exxon have to provide the liability coverage within 30 days. And so that's a big win for civil society. Yes. Yeah. True. But um, now there's an appeal which is coming up on Monday, and that's when that, that that's giving them some, some anxiety, if I put it that way. So, you know, what's next? Is the court of appeal going to rule in our favor or the court of appeal going to? So, David, when we're we as journalists, we always have like this, this like we want we always have this dream interview or project we want to work on. 
but due to different reasons, we, we sometimes we do sometimes get it. Sometimes we are not able to do it. Do you have such an interview that you want to do or such a project you want to work on? At the moment, I can't think of any. I have a few, yes. It's like it just went from me. I would have considered a few, yeah. But um, my dream right now as a journalist is to contribute significantly to some sort of um, investigative report, environmental reporting in, within the Amazon. Yeah, but that is something I want to do. Yeah. Oh, that's good to know because that's what we need right now the most with climate change. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, that that is part of my dream. Yeah. So I'm you in, yeah. in the beginning you mentioned you you either thought of becoming a cook or a journalist. So is cooking yeah. your passion? I haven't cooked in a while, but it was. <laughs> 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 I find I find eating out is way more fun because like there are no dishes to wash up. <laughs> but um yeah I, I did I do enjoy cooking. Um but I just haven't cooked in a while. Yeah. Okay, okay. So yeah. when we grow up as as a person, you always have that person who will look up to. So who's your personal hero? Oh who's my personal hero? Um there's quite a few I must say. Um I I the the two persons that take the top are my mother's, um, my biological mom and my godmother, like I have one of the best relationships with them. I know it's kind of cliche to say that, but they, they're really what I look, who I look up to because at the end of the day, no matter what is the situation, like mothers in every different scenario, they, they push to get and achieve what needs to be done or give you the best situation or make the best of a situation yeah i totally agree with you on that okay. so david you were to author a law or policy in your country what would that be and why a law or a policy um i think it would be it's not like i haven't drafted i can't draft it though directly but it's gonna be something towards benefiting the indigenous people of guyana um, in terms of providing more support and more help to them and their communities. Because um, I think because of them living in far-flung areas, as much as government is trying to give support to them, there is still that, that disparity between what the coast, where majority of the country live, access to versus what they access. So um, I think what the, the law would be something towards helping them in terms of probably like monthly stipends or food stamps, so something towards their welfare and their children education. Because it's somewhat impoverished. In many communities, I could say it's very impoverished. And they face that on a daily basis. Yeah. So after that question that you answered, I just, I just want to know, you know, Guyana is all over the news right now because mm -hmm. of the oil industry a lot of change would you like share with us like some big changes in the past five years in your country okay so I'll and, probably... and, and and how were you able to cope with it with all these changes okay so um i i could answer the first part the last part first sorry um i cope with it by being a journalist like 
I understand this is what's going to happen. This is my job to understand what is happening so I can relate it back. So I think that was my coping mechanism. Understand what is happening and seeing it from the developer's point of view. And then just relating it back and say, okay, we need this, we need that. And this is what has to happen. But some of the major changes is in the infrastructure. Um, we're seeing hotels being constructed because we never had the capacity to take on the number of people that are now coming into the country. Most of our hotels are booked out every day. Um, so the, there's the construction of new hotels. Um, a lot of roads like at the grassroots level are being upgraded in the communities um, across the country, not just in Georgetown or one particular area, but across the country. Um, and we're also seeing the financing for major infrastructure such as the Demerara Harbor Bridge, which is one of the most huge bridge between Georgetown, the city, and the neighboring communities across the river on the West Bank. So a lot of people from the West Bank work in the city. So that bridge is heavily trafficked every day. And it's way past its um its lifespan. So we're seeing of the construction of a new bridge right now. Also, we're seeing the financing being made available for the gas to shore project, which is supposed to help with reducing electricity costs in Guyana here. So those are the major major infrastructure that you can see right away. Yeah. As as a journalist, do you have an idea how how the the people of Guyana and are they able to keep up with it? Um, some are those who have capital at hand, they're able to keep up with it. But those who don't, they just have to sit back a little bit and allow whatever has to happen happen. It's a it's a not so nice situation because not everybody is benefiting as we would like. But th that is the case. Um, who has the financing? They're able to invest wherever they can, and who don't, they have to stay back a little bit until they can invest into something that they want to. Okay. So, David, uh, I know that you're you're a big advocate of uh, the environment, climate change. But besides these two, are are there uh, other uh, other topics that you're advocate for? Um, at the moment, no, 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 no. And in, and in general, um, in general, I would say food security. Uh, I'm a big supporter of that. Um, I really do think that if we can produce our own food, we're in a better state. Like, Guyana has the potential to do so much, and we're now exploring technology in every shape or form to see how best we can support the growth of agriculture, not just on a large scale, but in homes. Yeah. Okay. So what are you most proud of as a as an individual? As an individual, oh um this one's easy. I would have been able to work in radio, television, online and print media by the time I was the age of twenty two. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, that's one of my, major, my biggest ones, yeah. Okay, 
and yeah. I I kind of know the answer that I'm going to get from the next question, but I'm still gonna ask it. And if you could be anything other than being a journalist, what would that be? I'm general. Um, I would say a diplomat. <laughs> oh, a diplomat! I thought you would you would, you would say a professional chef. <laughs> no, I think I'll go for the diplomat. Diplomat. <laughs> oh, okay. Why? Yeah, I could. Yeah. Um. I. Why? The world is very interesting, and being I think if I have the opportunity to be a diplomat, um, I can influence some sort of policy. I can contribute meaningfully to the world and what is happening in the world from my country for our, to another country, um, engaging partnerships. Yeah, um, I think there's a lot of, and be more proactive. I know a diplomat position is probably a lot of talks and whatnot, but I think it there is an opportunity to influence decision-making as well. So um, I think I'll go towards that road, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So I'm, I'm kind of done with my questions, but I just want to know when David gets get, gets up in the morning, how does his day look like and how does it end? <laughs> my days are long. I would say um, I get up. My routine is shower, get something to eat, head out to the office. Um, I live on the edge a little bit because I get ready while the car is on its way for me. So sometimes the, the vehicle has to wait to pick me up. <laughs> but um, <laughs> apart from that, I go to the office. I spend most of my days there. Most of, yeah, long hours I work on stories, I take breaks in between, like myself and co-worker, we go for a walk, come back, probably check out the market, because like my office is not far from the market, so check out some fresh produce, come back, and then we start working until we finish up with the stories for the day, daily newspaper or the weekend newspaper. Okay, and what, are, what yeah. are your hobbies? Because after being busy, and then what do you do to, you know, to take out all, all the workload? Okay, so uh, I'm a very hardworking person. So sometimes I tell myself that it, I'm motivation to get me to leave the house. <laughs> so um, I sometimes find myself catching movies, um, probably reading a book, traveling on a day trip or so. Sometimes I go and visit my parents. So yeah, um, I or sometimes I just be lazy on a day and let every let all the stress go from my and then start again the next day. <laughs> yeah, that's sometimes a good yeah. one. For yeah. Sure. yeah. Okay, that that was an awesome chat we had with you, David. Thank you for being with us today. And it was fantastic. That, that was it for for our podcast episode this of. And today is, it's a bit of Friday, it's the 26th of May, so it's going to be weekend. What are, what are your plans for the weekend? Um, well, the weekend is kind of packed. Um, my weekend actually started last night. I was out last night with some friends. Because it's a holiday weekend here in Guyana. We're celebrating the independence. Um, so I was out last night with some friends. And tonight, I might go with my sister. Um, tomorrow, Sunday, I'm going to a play. 
So, um, yeah, that's my weekend so far. Yeah. Happy independent, independent, independence day from Climate Tracker to and all our viewers. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you again for being with us, David. And um, I'm going now to the viewers of ours. Um, thank you guys for watching uh, our podcast episode. It was nice having all of you. My name is Johannes and I'm the Caribbean Program Officer. And I'll see you till the next episode that we're going to take. Before I leave, don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter and visit our website, climatetracker.org, because we have some awesome climate justice stories right uh, on there right now. Because we just find out, closed up our climate justice fellowship. Um, the new cycle is going to start. The second cycle of the climate justice is going to start. So keep uh, keep following our uh, website, our social media and be up to date with all our private reporting from the Caribbean. David, have a nice day. Have a good weekend. And Thank you so much. Be good. Yes. Bye-bye. All right.